Backtalk is an extension of the long-running, award-winning movie review show, It's Movie Time, which airs Fridays at 4.01 and 8.01 p.m. on WCBE 90.5 FM, Columbus, Ohio. Hosted by John DeSando, this podcast version features additional content and banter with guests. I'm John DeSando. And I'm Wayne Miller. And this is Backtalk. I'm John DeSando. And I'm Wayne Miller, and neither one of us are expendable. <laughs> well, and I hope it's not expendable, though we've been doing this thing for about 23 years, so yeah. we, we must have been doing something right, don't you think? I think so. Uh, the station can't get rid of your shows. <laughs> but the expendables for, I don't know why I'm saying that with you here, but I'm saying this is going to be one of the shortest shows I've ever had. <laughs> I don't know. We wax eloquent, yep. even for the worst. Ones. That's what I'm saying. I'm so yep. interested because for me, it's the worst movie of the year. It was not one of my favorites <laughs> either. You know, the, the say the least. John, I've got to say that, of course, we're talking about Expendables 4, right? Uh, starring once again Sylvester Stallone, but this uh, one, unlike the other three, he did not co write. Yeah, and and he was in it for maybe only twenty minutes max. Yeah, yep. Uh, because his character supposedly, uh, we're not going to give anything no, away yeah. for crying out loud. But he's gone but, for a while. Yeah, but the, the two other folks, and I tell you, this movie was not nearly as star studded, star packed as the first three. You're right. But Dolph Lundgren and uh, uh, Jason Statham uh, both. Uh, in the cast. That's right. Yeah, returning in, in state. Statham is the heir apparent to right. Stallone's yeah. job. And and Statham is so durable, so tough, even metaphorically, yeah. that he will rise above this. Because the other one that you and I did, I think, uh, Meg 2. Yes. I had Meg to open it up with the same condemnation. Yeah. and Which is interesting because they're uh, both of your worst movies of the year. Yes. Starring... One of your favorite yes. uh, action uh, action uh, yep. stars, yep. Jason. Yep. Yeah, you know, and he it was good. But John, I got to tell people, we saw the movie Thursday night, and it was kind of like what uh, I I kind of had a headache and my uh, eye strain afterwards, you know, from uh, the explosions and everything. And I noticed in your written review, you did did not uh, you thought it was really very crappy production values. Yeah, I did. You found yeah. some good stuff. I kind of enjoyed. The ship because it seemed like he had an uh, the bad guy. It seemed like he had a shipload of uh, Wagner mercenaries, you know, yeah. that are fighting for the yeah. Russians, right. and so many of them. And this is, <coughs> excuse me. And this is what really amazes me about movies like this. And I want to say a little bit more about other mercenary movies. They must not put the bad guys here a lot of uh, gun training, (laughs) sharpshooting training on the range. They can't hit anything worth crap. And they are wiped out literally by the hundreds as all of our stars stay alive. But, you know, the, the seven or eight mercenaries and, of course, the very fetching Megan Fox. And I thought, well, two things. First of all, it's certainly a staple of this kind of fiction that has the bad guys going down left and right and the good guys never being right, even grazed. Right. And I understand that. Yeah. It's still so odd to see it. And yeah. It's still, you know, it's actually disconcerting to see it because it's so out there that, that these bad guys get knocked off and the good guys never do. Right. And yet you know this is the formula. This is, this is the way it goes. But as many times as I've seen it, 
I still object. I still logically object to it. Well, and it's not that it's a one and done movie. This is the fourth one. And John, we saw it Thursday night. You thought you would think that I had had enough punishment, but one of the TV stations I get had a, a marathon fr- that Friday night at eight o'clock that had uh, all three of the first ones back to back, which I'd never seen. So I thought. And this is the punishment I go through to present on your show, oh, you know, that uh, my re- part of my research. Yes. And I made it for, through the first two, but the second ones, or the third one started about uh, 1230, oh, yeah. you know, well after midnight. And I did see some of it, but I fell asleep. But the one thing that really amazed me, number one, the same thing. The good guys, always, very rarely do any of them get killed. Um and and they wipe out scores of other bad guys. But what I liked about uh, uh, those three, they really had some uh, great, uh, sometimes cameos, sometimes a little bit longer roles by other big stars like Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, yep. Harrison Ford, for Christ's sake. Yep. Uh, Mel Gibson played the bad guy, yep. you know, in the third one. And uh, Jean-Claude Don Dom played the bad guy in the second one. They had Eric Roberts, bad guy in the first one. They had a lot more stars involved in it, yeah. which made it both funny but sometimes annoying. Because one of the things that I get annoyed, and I got annoyed watching Expendables 4, the banter, which is cute and funny, but the inside jokes... You and I, when we make our friends endure our banter, you know, and you are so right. cracks. But your but your point is a delicate one that I really yeah. like, which is first of all, some of my best movies, and I can think of two right off the bat, are great because they are star studded and because uh-huh. they have great skips. And that, How the West Was One uh-huh. and The Longest Day, for instance, uh-huh. are two examples for me where. Part of the thrill is seeing our idolized right. actors, yep. and but they were right. They were dealing with something that was really first rate. Yes. So this yep. one has well B actors in many cases, but there. But I think you were hinting but, at it. The, the dialogue but, is just awful. And we had an interesting discussion with your son about it, and his theory is that Stallone wanted to create movies and pack them with some of these people that may need the money. Uh, that yeah. he said that he uh, a good yeah, guy. for them to uh, make uh, that's, that Stallone right. packed it. That's a great point. But I thought one of the ones you were going to mention, which includes mercenaries and wiping out a great number of bad guys, the Magnificent Seven. Oh, good. Thank you. You know, I would have never thought of that because yep. that's reserved for me for my favorite Western. Yes, So I exactly. don't think of it any schlock at all in that, but you are right. Yep. Yeah, except that, that they were really beginning some fabulous careers. Yes. And only Yul Brynner. Yes, yeah. Only Yul Brynner and, and Steve McQueen. From TV. Quite, yeah. yeah. Or Charles Bronson or James Coburn. You're absolutely right. And Robert Vaughn. You know, that this a lot made of them. them. The magnificence of them made them, yeah. yeah. We're talking about a quality film that yes. these guys. Yeah. The staging at most of this film, Expendables 4, on the ship. Yep. was such a low-rent move, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. did not allow yeah. them to have any light or color or whatever. It is yes. gray and dark uh, like the ship itself, and it is such a cheap way of doing a film. Yep. I was nauseated by it. Yep. 
Well, you know, it could have. I bet that ship had down in the hold a coffin with a, a, a vampire. <laughs> Sorry, man is back yes, there. He's a doing his vampire in it because you know Dracula would have probably been about the same age as most of the actors. It's not nearly as star studded you know, packed as the first three. Yeah. And in some ways, like you said, they want the cheap route in oh, most of the action on this uh, freighter. So I think there's one very good shot of Megan Fox. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a lovely shot. It's not at all salacious. And she is a lovely woman. Yeah, and, she and is. I hope they give her something to do next time. Exactly. I, exactly. You've got some stuff packed in that brain of yours that you're going to let us have. Yeah. One of the uh, film genres or subgenres that I've always liked, and it could span a lot of different uh, genres, basically, like war movies or uh, westerns or... Uh, uh, police uh, dramas, you know, things like that is the the whole idea of a small group of rather disillusioned mercenaries who are possibly uh, former military or former police or former, like the one I mentioned, uh, the Magnificent Seven, you know, a former gunslingers, you know, for hire and everything. And in a way, it kind of goes back also to the classic Japanese film, The Seven Samurai. You know, a case of a small village hiring, you know, seven ex-samurai or gunslingers in The Magnificent Seven to protect themselves because they are constantly getting raided and put upon by a very large gang of bad guys, Mm -hmm. uh, which the seven take care of and dispatch almost to a man. But the one thing uh, in the Expendables, uh, rarely does any of the ba- good guys you know, get knocked off. Oh, terrible. Whereas in the seven, uh, four yeah. of the f- seven died. You're, you're, you're so right. And so there's, you know, there, there's at least some believability there, but also it strikes to the heart of anybody who wants to stand up to bullies, you know, yeah. and stand up. But also in this case, we're talking like former military uh, in Expendables, uh, the whole series, former military, former CIA or whatever. But it reminded me, and what I, it I made me kind of compare to, two mercenary movies that I liked. One was uh, The Wild Geese, you know, starring um, uh, Roger Moore, Richard Burton, Richard mm-hmm. Harris, a German actor, last name Kruger. But anyhow, uh, that they're hired to, they're all former you know, British military, old guys, pretty much, out of shape, and had to go and help defend against a warlord some African village. Same premise, though, in another mercenary movie, The Dogs of War, yeah. with Christopher Walken. Good and one, yeah. uh, Tom Berenger. Yeah. Well, let me add to, to what you're saying. There are actually two points that you're making uh, to just comment on. The first one is my current theory about these. And, and you and I get a big kick out of the John Wick kind of, of movies and yes. yeah. uh, Equalizer. Yes. And we yeah. had determined that, we, that one of the, the real attractiveness about it is that the bad guys do get it. And because bad guys seem to be doing much better than we had ever hoped in our real world. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, At yes. least the world of movies and fiction. Yes. At least they can do it. Yeah. But I want to throw one out to you, too, and see what you think about it, uh-huh. because I don't remember these things as well as you do. But there's one that I thought is really almost iconic. And is it the same premise? The Dirty Dozen? Uh, uh, very good point. Absolutely. A little bit different, because they were... Um, 
Uh, were they already they, soldiers? That- uh, they were soldiers, but in, except for Lee Marvin as the major, who's a, a kind of an outcast that the other officers really don't care for him because he is kind of a wild card. And the only other non-criminal was the MP sergeant played by Richard Jackal in that movie. Oh, yeah. The rest yeah. of them, yeah. you know, from Donald Sutherland and Bronson and Jim Brown and on and on and on, were all uh, criminals uh, facing either life in a military prison or death by firing squad for various crimes mm-hmm. that they committed. Oh, yes, in, that's right. And here it is for D-Day. In Germany, but you're right. It's kind of like gathering up a group yeah. of people that a dispatch. In this case, it was a dozen people. In a lot of these movies, it's usually anywhere from six to yeah. nine, you know, people. But if you look at it, surely it was a much better script. Oh God, yeah. Because you don't have anybody in there except for yeah. say Lee Marvin, yeah. who's so worldwide known, like even like Stallone. That yes. he can carry it. Yeah, so, especially at that time in his career. Yes. That I believe he had already won the Best Actor Academy Award for uh, Cat Balloon. Yeah. But once again, on the cusp of greatness for some of those actors. Now, Charles Bronson already made a name for himself, but not. And John Cassavetes a little bit, but oh, yeah, more indie yeah, films. Yeah, oh, yeah, good. But, uh, and this was pre MASH for Donald Sutherland. Good. And, oh, uh, Sutherland, yes. Yes. Who had, who did a breakthrough for him. Yes. And, you know, what really was always kind of funny about the Dirty Dozen was the humor involved in it, too. Some good, funny lines, especially Marvin is, uh, you know, trying to train, you know, these guys, you know, to be effective commandos. You know, the podcast is a time for just kind of bringing spurious or <laughs> flaky ideas. But I was thinking about Andy Garcia in this. Yes. He's just a different kind of actor from the rest of them. Yes, yeah. And kind of taking over a role that in the past movies were played by uh, Bruce Willis. Hmm. You know, kind of a CIA, blah, 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 blah. He's a father figure outside of these uh, guys. Yeah, and uh, the third, uh, and the third one was more, uh, uh, was uh, Harrison Ford. You know, playing kind of like government you would think maybe a bureaucrat, but has had some chops, but as Bruce Willis did, particularly in uh, uh, and the second one, the first one, he and Schwarzenegger had more just basically a cameo. But uh, And I think was it you or your son that mentioned that uh, uh, Harrison Ford, uh, his only stipulation when Stallone approached him to be cast in the Expendables 3 was that he got to fly a helicopter. That's right. Remember Harrison, that? Yeah. yeah. That, uh, Harrison, that Harrison Ford loves to fly, and that was a stipulation you know, for being cast in the movie. Well, you know, as I look at us even having a show on Expendables yeah. 4 and being very happy with your knowledge of and appreciation of it, I think I need to comment to the audience Although we're film critics and we would like to think ourselves somewhat elevated in, the, in our thoughts and, and evaluations of movies, is that one of the things that makes us good critics, I believe, is that we do appreciate even low-level films. Yeah. And we are searching constantly for the good stuff in that, if it's only the stars that we admire. So we're not so very far above anybody else. Yeah. When we go to a yeah. movie like Expendables 4, okay. we go knowing we're not yeah. going to get a great motion picture, 
hoping that there are moments that we can laugh at and remember. But just generally, we're also aware of even the cinematic techniques yes. that these yeah. movies use. Yeah. And we're aware, for instance, even of how much we enjoy going around the world, which was part of the, I thought, the difficulty of Expendables 4. They didn't go anywhere but a ship. <laughs> the one thing that we've enjoyed in a, a number of movies uh, that we've enjoyed with uh, the James Bond series. Yes. Oh, yes. And the Fast and Furious, even. You know? Well, that's right, too. But let's not forget well, how good and, those are. And, you know, and if we talk uh, another movie of a franchise that we reviewed, it was the 10th uh, Fast and Furious movie. And once again, a small group of highly skilled people yep. who take on, um, and sometimes for the government or for their own personal revenge, you know, take on an entire army of bad guys. But... After seeing the first three, the one thing that kind of disappoints me in the Expendables 4, the first three, the big bad guy, Eric Roberts in the first one, Mm -hmm. Mel Gibson in the third, and Jean-Claude Van Damme Mm -hmm. in the second one, a very charismatic that you you like seeing on the screen. No, that's a great point. Kind of reminded me of the uh, head of the Banditos in The Magnificent Seven. Oh, Eli Wallach. Eli Wallach. Oh, yeah. I meant... They a, a good bad guy adds something to it. Oh, and this no, you guy are so was right. Serviceable, forgettable. But he looked so young, uh, and um, yeah. Uh, uh, but he was serviceable, and it seemed like his main thing. And of course, the whole uh, MacGuffin of the movie that I even forgot about until I read a little bit more about it was uh, an atomic bomb, and this guy wanting to set it off. Uh, somewhere to start World War Three, and then he could swoop in, you know, and take over, which is obviously uh, a plot device in a great number of the James Bond films. Yeah, and, and uh, it's so right. In all of the films that we admire, the the villain is outsized, but we love yeah. that. Yes, you know, yeah. everybody yeah. looks forward to a different choice, like thinking of a Blowfield. Yeah, you know, yeah, these, oh, these guys. Bond, yes. <laughs> and what's funny about films like The Fast and the Furious and any of these mercenary ones and Magnificent Seven and all these expendables, it's teamwork. And that's what you don't find so much. You find it just slightly in the James Bond series. You don't find it very much at all in the John Wick or... Uh, the equalizer. No, right. Yeah, those are lone wolf. those are solitary. Yeah, yeah, lone wolves. Well, they can dispatch, yeah. and like you said, the 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 body count in John Wick for crying out loud. <laughs> One point lacking in Expendables Four that I usually crab about. Yeah, but now I can see where I miss it. Family motif. Exactly. And there's not yeah. that. And how I complain. Oh, here we go again yeah. with the family. The father's going to look for the daughter. No, I begin now. To miss it. That you really find, particularly in the ensemble acting of the uh, Fast and Furious franchise, mm. uh, the use of family. And not only the family that you're born into or that your blood relation, but also a family of friends. Yep. And here it seems like maybe there is a family of friends, but they're mercenaries for crying out yeah, loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not doing it for love in a lot of no, ways. Right. They're doing yep. it for money or revenge. Yep. And I was surprised later I had missed the point that Statham and Fox had been previously married. Oh, my God, no, I missed that, too. Yeah, I missed that, too, yeah. If you remember, a very good scene, the two of them fighting and loving, 
There, which really kind of made the movie. Yeah, and yeah. yet when you think about it, there's no real preparation for that. No. And so you say, well, that's just a set piece. That, no. Yeah, from, somebody commented that they were actually had pre- been previously I'm married. I'm going to Google that yes. to see Do what it. happened yes, and how long it was. All right. Yeah. Wouldn't you know it? We have to linger on this Galdarn movie, but it's called Equalizer. I know. Something that you say yeah. is the worst of the year. It is so the worst far. movie of the year, but yeah. we sure yeah. found out something to say. Yeah. Don't we always? And usually we say more for about uh, movies that we don't like. And sadly, uh, we have too many good movies coming up. We're not going to be able to rag on them. Yeah, yeah. well, it's getting close to the end of the year. Of course. This is boy, going oh to boy. be leading into Oscar season. Sure, and we're going to we're certainly have to beef ourselves up for yeah. the three hours and 40 minutes of Martin yeah. Scorsese's yeah. Flower yeah, Moon. Yeah, yeah, well, but also, too, a dearth that may come about, maybe not Ooh. this calendar year, yeah. yet, but next calendar year uh, will be because of the actors yep. and writers. But as for our recording at this moment, the writers have agreed. Yes, yep. And, and now it's to get the actors. And up. they will. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll have to. 